Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 246. We are talking week in review, week two in review. Uh, week two, man, it was pretty fun. Got off to a way hotter start than last week. Uh, scoring was up considerably, much to the pleasure of Dynasty Freaks. Uh, so fantasy points were scored uh, you know, so much on Thursday night that it left a lot of managers way behind or far ahead uh, going into the weekend, but there are plenty of comebacks after teams lit up the scoreboard on Sunday, making uh, making things pretty fun as they come. Again, I record these on Monday afternoon, so hopefully Monday night games will continue this high-scoring trend and will be fun to watch as we get two games to see if we can come back and win our games. So what I do on these podcasts, if you're new, is just kind of talk about some overall observations, my dynasty takes, you might say, some of the things that stood out to me from the games. Try to use it as an opportunity to talk about players that maybe I haven't talked about in previous weeks. And then we're going to talk about the waiver wire, some players that you might want to pick up off the waiver wire this week. And then we will move on to talking about um, talking about trades that were made in leagues that I'm actually part of, of my nine dynasty leagues. So let's start with uh, week two, just some, some kind of overall dynasty takes. First of all, I'm going to admit I was wrong. Number one, I was wrong. If I'm allowed to boast when things I, you know, about things that I get right, like being right when I was high on Puka Nakua, um, I have to admit when I was wrong, as I appear to be with Anthony Richardson and possibly with Marvin Mims. Richardson got off to another hot start, scoring twice on the ground before leaving the game in the second quarter with an apparent concussion. Uh, he has been inaccurate as I thought he would be, completing just 64% of his passes, but that's actually better than I thought it would be. And he's still doing what most dynasty managers figured he could do the best. That would be what he does on the ground. So you can't teach that, whereas you can improve as a passer in coaching, just with coaching and even with play calling. And so I think he's going to get the help that he needs. And uh, I still have, you know, had him ranked behind C.J. Stroud, more on him later, and Bryce Young. And the verdict's still out, you know, on these rookie quarterbacks for sure. But Richardson uh, was drafted ahead of all of them, and I thought that was a bad move. I thought that he'd fall flat on his face. But after six NFL quarters, that's all he's got so, so far, I'd have to say that he proved me wrong. I'm willing to admit that I was wrong on what Anthony Richards can be and what he can actually become as well. Similarly, though, I'm not going to quite say I'm completely wrong yet, but I at least have a flag raised, was Marvin Mims. I had him ranked far lower than most Dynasty analysts uh, do. And uh, after his two-catch, 113-yard, one-touchdown day, I must at least reconsider or kind of raise that flag. I'm not willing to say that I was wrong yet because the reason that I didn't like him was I thought that he was only good for big plays, which is, in fact, exactly what he did on Sunday. It's his best skill, but I think might be his only skill. But he did it again on Sunday, catching a 60-yard touchdown and then another 53-yard pass. The two catches that he had were only on 16 snaps. So he only played 16 snaps, and two of those catches uh, made him have a pretty great day. Uh, Very efficient if he had to do that. Uh, He was fifth on the team in wide receiver snaps and fantasy points. And so, you know, like I said, this is what I thought that he could do, but it's just not very reliable uh, for fantasy. But if he's to work himself into the rotation and move up the depth chart and not only get 16 snaps per game, then um, I'll have to eat my words like I did with Richardson, admitting I'm fully wrong with Richardson 
and I could possibly be wrong with Marvin Mims. Next observation I had from this week was what I'll call old man strength. They're old man strength. There are three three older men carried NFL teams and dynasty teams this week. Mike Evans, Tyler Lockett, and Keenan Allen. They combined for 341 yards receiving and five touchdowns on Sunday. Even at their age, they're every week starters in dynasty lineups, as they have been really for the last uh, eight years or so. Uh, they face challenges and competition over the years, but they continue to overcome those and produce reliable fantasy points. Keenan Allen has faced opposition for Mike Williams, and now he's got Quentin Johnston that was drafted in the first round. Tyler Lockett, he's had DK Metcalf, and now Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, he had Chris Godwin. <coughs> Excuse me, Lockett lost uh, Russell Wilson. Evans lost Jameis Winston and Tom Brady, but nothing has slowed these guys down. Uh, wide receivers usually decline once they hit that, you know, the 30s for sure. And the cliff is very, very likely still to come to these guys sometime very soon. But this season, they're going to continue to defy the odds, it looks like. It's still the wisest thing from a dynasty perspective to sell these players, but they sure are hard to get rid of when they're just helping your starting lineup so much, especially if you're a competitive team. I sold a few shares of Keenan Allen last year, and he was among my most rostered player at the time. I only have one share of Lockett and Evans, but I love having these older men, old man strength on my team. You know, I love putting them in my starting lineups, but I think I need to put them all in the trading block this week just to see if I can get any fair offers or make my team younger in any way, especially if I'm not one of the top-tier teams in the league. Next would be what I'll call youth movement. So from old man strength, we'll talk youth movement. Uh, speaking of getting younger, uh, the Packers have compiled you know, a group of offensive weapons that, they've, uh, that are already producing for dynasty managers. Last week, it was second-year man Romeo Dobbs. He saw the end zone twice. This week, it was rookie Jaden Reed, who scored twice, uh, filling in for second-year man you know, second year man Christian Watson. They also had rookie Devon, uh, Dontavian Wicks score this week, too, which was a real surprise. All that to say that dynasty managers need to see you know, what it looks like when Christian Watson gets healthy. I think once he gets back, then we're really going to have to figure out which is the best wide receiver to draft or, or, to, or to invest in. In, uh, among the Packers. Right now, they're super bunched together in my rankings, which I haven't changed since the start. I changed my rankings right before the start of the year. And before the year started, I had Watson number uh, 29th, uh, Dobbs 42nd, and Reed 52nd. But Watson's absence these last two weeks has really allowed Dobbs and Reed to move up while Watson's falls back just a bit. I don't want to let two games you know, affect my rankings too much, but Dobbs and Reed have really impressed a lot. And I hope we can see the three of them on the field together next week. Hopefully Watson can get back because I want to see all three of them on the field and see what this offense really looks. Maybe this time it'll be Watson's turn to score twice. They can just kind of rotate who gets two touchdowns. But the youth movement among the Packers has definitely worked. It's helping dynasty teams. I can't wait to see them all on the field at the same time so that we can decide which one really does become the top target and what are their specific roles within the offense. Next I'll say uh, garbage time counts. Garbage time counts. The Texans uh, had a very productive day in the passing game after falling behind to Indianapolis, of course, based on <laughs> what Anthony Richardson did. But fellow rookie C.J. Stroud threw for 384 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, like Anthony Richardson, he struggled a little bit with accuracy, though he did complete 64% of his passes. But he threw the ball downfield a lot more. Uh, after two games, Stroud is actually fourth in the league in total air yards, so he's still in the ball downfield. I still believe that Stroud can become this class's most productive fantasy quarterback. And in his second game, he showed some of that ability. 
As I expected and hoped, Noah Brown's injury opened the door to Tank Dell to play, and the door I don't think will ever be closed again. He took advantage of it 79% snap share this week, leading the team in targets with 10 and scoring his first touchdown. Dell tied Nico Collins with seven receptions on the team, but Nico got the deep balls, averaging 20 yards per reception with 146 yards and a touchdown. Even old man Robert Woods contributed with 86% of the snaps. That was a team high for receivers, and he had 74 yards receiving. Unfortunately for Damian Pierce, the Texans playing catch-up mode really led to a bad day for him. Though he did have 15 opportunities, he just didn't make much use of them. Uh, He's definitely been a big disappointment this season, causing his dynasty value to drop. While that of Nico Collins and Tank Dells, uh, they're just really going to be on the ride. And Stroud, I think he has the weapons that he needs to produce and the Texans' offense will no longer be one that you just have to avoid in starting lineups. I think they're going to be players that we can actually start put pretty confidently into our lineups. Good to see Stroud. Garbage time counts, and that could be the way that uh, Stroud has to make his uh, fantasy impact this year while the team continues to improve. Next, I'll say murky mess. I'll call this a murky mess in two backfields. I am not interested in starting anyone in the Buffalo or the Baltimore backfields. I've never won for Buffalo. I've never really believed in James Cook, so I don't have any dynasty shares of him. I expected him to be the to be the lead back and to get most of the team's work, but to lose goal line carries to Damian Harris this season. And I did not expect, though, Latavius Murray to steal goal line carries like he did, let alone be involved in the two-minute offense like he was last week. Murray and Harris each got one goal line carry and scored this week. You know, that really puts a ceiling on Cook's fantasy production. And if the goal line carries are split between Murray and Harris, it also puts a cap on their production. So I bet on Harris this season, believing that he could earn the role, even traded for him in one league. And now I think I've given up on that hope, and he's moving to the very back end of my dynasty rosters, even a player that I would consider cutting if I find a player I like more on the waiver wire. I've already dropped, as for uh, Latavius Murray, I've already dropped all my shares of Murray except one. The one share that I do have now becomes one that I think that I will drop this week if I find a waiver claim that I need instead. Uh, too messy of a backfield with those three. And the same could be true uh, for Baltimore, even though it's really just gone down to two. With J.K. Dobbins sideline for the year, I figured it would be a two-handed monster, you know, two-headed monster with Baltimore using Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. And it was on Sunday. Hill played 57% of snaps, Edwards 43%. Edwards was more productive on the ground by far. He is a much better runner but he's a liability in the passing game. Edwards just had one catch last season and only 19 in his last five years as a pro, so he's not involved in the passing game. He'll more involved in the passing game this week, and he's going to continue to be, but I don't think he can hold up for the full load of running the ball. Uh, Baltimore's not afraid to use him in the goal line. He had the two goal line touches last week, but this week they gave the goal line touch to Edwards, who scored. At least Melvin Gordon he didn't get a touch this week after being called up for the practice squad. So it is a two-man backfield, at least by this first week. I just think these backfields, Buffalo and Baltimore, are too messy for me to want to have anything to do with. I actually didn't even make any bids on Hill. He was available on waiver wires. Mentioned it in my uh, podcast last week as a player to consider. But I started thinking to myself, I'm not interested, so I didn't put any roster spots. However, in one league, a shallow league with only 20-man roster spots, I did put 20% of my money on Gus Edwards, and I won the bid. And I already regret that decision because I think they're going to be splitting it uh, far too much than I would like. It won't be a safe player to put to my lineups. Next, uh, on the other front, not a murky. These are less murky. I'll call it taking over. Taking over. So there's a few backs that have really taken over the backfield, at least by measure of this week. In some cases, the measure of the last two weeks. So after two weeks, it's been 
very apparent that a few off-the-radar running backs have taken over. One would be Kyron Williams. He led the Rams again this week. It was on the field with an incredible 95% of the plays. He scored two touchdowns, one on the ground and one in the air, and he combined for 110 yards. He's become a reliable every-week starter for the rest of the season. I think he is, especially with Cam Akers with his you know healthy scratch on Sunday, likely on the trading block because of his attitude or whatever's going on there. This is Kyron Williams' backfield, 95% of the snaps he's taking over. Not in a two-week sample, but a one-week sample. Same is true for Zach Moss. He missed last week because of an injury, but then he returned this week and got 98% of the Colts' snaps this week. He turned you know that heavy workload into 107 total yards and one touchdown. Deion Jackson, he fell you know out of grace last week by fumbling issues, and Moss benefited. Evan Hole got injured, and Jake Funk, which we thought would get some carries here, though healthy, he didn't see the field once in this game. Workload. And opportunities are a big part of fantasy production, especially at the running back position. It's gross to say, but Moss maybe should be added to starting lineups. Pretty crazy. We'll see what happens. And then the, maybe the third one that I'll mention, I'm a little less confident in uh, this you know, performance leading to a complete takeover with DeAndre Swift. Man, 75% of the snaps on Thursday night. And arguably the best game of his career. Kenny Gainwell had 62% of the snaps in week one, but he was injured this week. I just figured Rashad Penny, now that he was a healthy scratch in week one, and called up in week two, that he would get the bulk of the work. But it was Swift who stole the show on Thursday night when the Eagles just decided to completely abandon the pass and run nearly every single play. I don't trust the Eagles coaching staff very much to ride one back throughout the season. That's not been what they've done. But Swift's play on Thursday has got to make them reconsider their running back by committee philosophy. So at least for one week, he got 75% which, again, was running backs that were taking over. Those are some uh, overall observations from this week. Let's talk some waiver wire. Uh, there really aren't uh, too many players this week that I'm too excited about taking this week, but I'll list a few of them here for you just so that you can put them on your radar. Again, recording this on Monday afternoon, um, just before the Monday night games. First would be Kylan Granson, tight end for Indianapolis. Granson scored a touchdown this week. More importantly, he led the team in tight end snaps with 65%. Uh, Last week, he led the team, too, with 61 So he is the Colts' starter, and thus, he deserves to be rostered in Dynasty League. So Kylan Granson, if he's out there, he's the player I'm most interested in trying to grab this week. Next would be Justin Watson. Uh, Watson, for Kansas City receiver, is tied for second on the team with targets, with nine this last week. He's third in snap count among the wide receivers. Uh, Even so, you know, he's worth adding in deep leagues since Kansas City distributes the ball pretty evenly among its weapons. You know, Watson has been on and off my watch list for the last year or so, bouncing on and off my rosters in deep leagues where I just would drop him and I'd add him and drop him. He may be a startable player in those leagues when injuries start to pile up or maybe when bye weeks come to factor. Just a guy to keep on your radar. Not sure I'm going to make too many bids for him. Third would be Craig Reynolds. Uh, Reynolds came into the game after David Montgomery was injured on Sunday. And even if Montgomery misses a few weeks, I don't think that they're going to use Jamar Gibbs as the the between-the-tackles role. I think Gibbs' role is set. He's definitely going to see an uptick in involvement in the offense, but Craig Reynolds was the one who came in and kind of took the Montgomery role. So while he's missing, Reynolds is going to take some of that role. I just don't think it's going to be too reliable, and it's not a very great fantasy take. It's more like a redraft kind of move that you would make. Uh, I don't think Reynolds is going to see a lot. But I want to put him on their radar in the very deepest of leagues. He might be someone worth adding. And then finally, maybe a little bit more from a dynasty move would be Dontavian Wicks. Like I said, he did play the wide receiver three role you know, with Christian Watson missing time the last two weeks. 
Um, he'll immediately forfeit that role once Watson returns, and I don't think that he can overtake Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed in the lineup. Uh, but he did score uh, a touchdown this week, and he played 50% of the team snaps. He's the only addable. He's only an addable player in like the deepest of leagues. But he is a guy that you know maybe if you have a taxi squad, you can still add people to your taxi squad. A guy that you might pick up and put there just to see what happens. Um, at least add him to your watch list, something like that. So not a very exciting waiver wire, in my opinion, for this week. Maybe hold your money and wait for another occasion compared to last week. Hey, there were actually three trades. I'll just close out here by talking about three trades that took place in my leagues this last week. Or four trades, actually. Four trades, I see. Um, so one of the things I like to do is talk about these trades because I can tell you about what I, what you know each of the teams was thinking when they made the trade. And so it gives a little context and gives you a chance. We always like to talk trade and dynasty just to see how other savvy dynasty freaks are managing their teams and what they value players. So here's four of the trades that took place in my leagues this week. J.K. Dobbins was traded for a 2024 second-round pick. Dobbins, of course, got injured, and he was put on the trading block and traded for a second-round pick. So this trade was made in my FFPC league, where rosters are much thinner in the dynasty leagues. The roster size is 20, and in this league, a manager posted on the message board that he didn't want to carry Dobbins on his IR through the whole year into next year, and so he just said, I'm going to sell him to the highest bidder. Well, he found a taker and got a second-round pick. Likely, Dobbins is not going to be ready to play at the beginning of next season because of that torn Achilles. You know, in recent years, we have seen some running backs come back from the Achilles injury, so it is possible because we've seen that happen now on a couple occasions now, but none have returned to form. None of them have uh, come back to totally look like themselves. You can maybe argue that Cam Akers looked, looked like himself just for a few a few games, you know, at the end of last season. But here we are with Akers in this situation right now. Not sure if that's performance-related or not, but he apparently had a really bad practice week. So I think that the Achilles injury, I don't think that Dobbins is going to be the one, sadly, that's going to break that trend. So I think I would prefer to have a second-round pick for Dobbins at this point. Pretty sad state. Next was Darnell Mooney. Kind of an off-the-wall trade. Darnell Mooney was traded for a third-round pick, 2024 third-round pick. Here's what happened. A manager in this league has kind of mismanaged his team, in my opinion. He's very thin at wide receiver. He got desperate last week because two of his likely starters, Brandon Cooks and Amari Cooper, landed on the injury report. And so he traded a third-round pick for Mooney, and then he added Terrence Marshall off the waiver wire. Well, Mooney gave him a goose egg this week. He put him in a starting lineup, and I'm not going to be surprised if Marshall does the same thing tonight on Monday Night Football. He has another goose egg. Um, I think I would definitely trade uh, Mooney for a third-round pick if I had a pretty full roster. Um, I actually did this in my league uh, that I have a bunch of young receivers and old men strength on my team, and I actually dropped Mooney from my squad. Uh, he was immediately picked up the next week after I dropped him, and I think that he should be you know, a player that's rostered on every single um, fantasy roster. But if you've got a stacked wide receiver core, like I did in this one league, I just can't imagine Mooney would ever see my starting lineup in this particular league. And so in that case, he was droppable or very tradable. And so that's what the two teams are thinking here. Uh, this other team was pretty stacked at wide receiver and probably like me when I dropped him in one of my other leagues, didn't think Mooney was ever going to see a starting lineup. So yeah, I'll give him up for a third round pick in that case. That's what happened. And at least in week one, scored a touchdown. Week two, goose egg. At Chicago, passing game, ugh, hard to trust. Next, a couple of trades that were made in one of my biggest leagues. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was traded for a 2024 fourth-round pick. So this was a very minor trade, but in a 14-team Superflex league with 28-man rosters without defenses and kickers, 
it's a very, very, very deep league, uh, making Brissett, Brissett um, a player worth rostering in case Sam Howell gets injured or maybe in case he loses his starting role. I wish I knew that he was actually available for this price because I would have definitely done this trade at this price because I have Howell as my starting quarterback in this league and would have loved to have had the security of having Brissett on my team too. Um, he would have been a great addition to my team. I don't believe Howell, though, is going to lose the starting role, uh, but he could easily get injured just like any quarterback can. And so he's worth a fourth-round pick in this in a league like this, I think, especially in a league like this. I have seven backup quarterbacks on my squad, including Carson Wentz, who's not even on a team <laughs> right now. And so in a 14-team super flex league, uh, that's why guys like Jacoby Brissett are still valuable. Uh, I like that you traded him away just for a fourth-round pick. And then in the similar league, the same league, there was a, a fourth trade that took place. It was Baker Mayfield for Miles Sanders. Baker Mayfield for Miles Sanders. As I said, this is that's 14-team Superflex League, and a manager that already has three starting quarterbacks on his team was willing to sell Mayfield, which is his fourth starting quarterback for Sanders, just to strengthen his top-tier starting lineup. This team, the team that sold Sanders, uh, did not have a starting quarterback on his team at all. He wanted at least one, so he traded for Mayfield. Uh, he's the same manager who, in that previous trade, traded for Brissett, so now he's got Mayfield and Brissett as his best two options at quarterback right now. Pretty pretty dire spot in a 14-team Superflex League. He's trying to piece something together to complete, you know, to compete for this year, I guess. But I don't think it's going to work, given the depth of this league. You know, in a vacuum, I would much prefer Mayfield in a Superflex League like this. Uh, but I see why each team did what they did. In context, I like the move, uh, you know, for that top-tier team since his roster was loaded. He already has Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, and Justin Herbert as his quarterbacks, so he was able to give away Mayfield to take in Sanders just to make a more solid uh, starting lineup week to week. Uh, makes sense when you see it in context. Uh, pretty exciting to be part of all kinds of different leagues that make you challenge your mind and challenge your thinking and make you think strategically about different ways of approaching your, your team building. All right. Well, that's week two. We wrapped it up. I appreciate your listening. Thanks so much. It's going to be a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Much better on email than Twitter, so contact me, dynastyfreaks, with two E's, at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. I am an independent podcaster, so that would mean a hell heck of a lot for me. So do that for me. I'd appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted and independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.